so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week as usual and say, okay, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's our post-Sandown edition and uh, quite an eventful race, some of which was for the wrong reasons, you'd agree, Craig. Yes, Tony, that's right. You have to wonder how many cars can come together without, uh, well, any call from the umpires. It's been interesting, but I guess under after Saturday, uh, perhaps Craig Baird was a bit gun-shy. Yes, indeed, yes. No further inquiries to be investigated, yeah. Um... I, uh, I thought it was uh, uh, most interesting to see uh, the young drivers, uh, and a bunch of them were there. Bryce Forward, of course, leading the pack, running in second and third. Jake Kostecki running up there. Thomas Randall, them ending up on the podium. Um, but to see all those young drivers as co-drivers showing their, their skills, OK, there were a couple, some of them made some mistakes. I think Cam Waters was... Uh, felt that uh, Jake Kostecki uh, put him in the fence. Well, maybe, you know. But uh, overall, I thought that the uh, the driving standards were pretty high. Um, certainly uh, with one uh, bolt that broke, and uh, I'm sure Mark Dutton will tell me later this week as to what they determined actually did happen, whether it came out or broke or whatever. Other than that, it would have been a 1-2. Last year they had the 1-2-3, and Roland Dane spoke after the race saying that if there hadn't been the safety car, he thinks that the uh, two leading Triple Eight entries would have lapped the field, and I think he's one hundred percent correct. They certainly, their drivers and the team, have the full measure of that particular track, and they'll be sad that it won't be there next year. So they'll have to go through the process of relearning it all. But it will be there, Tony, but just not in the same form. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, so it was an interesting race. Um, we got to speak to uh, all the uh, podium place getters, uh, apart from uh, James Moffat, who had to scoot off for his father's uh, 80th birthday. But um, it was an interesting uh, race for a, a bunch of different reasons, uh, one of which was, of course, that it would appear that uh, the three cars at this stage certainly are on parity with uh, Bryce Fullwood and uh, Andre Heimgartner certainly showing the Nissan up to be well worthy of uh, being up there. Unfortunately, of course, they're about to be uh, sidelined and uh, sent to the Super 2 Series only. Andre and Bryce Fullwood were great achievers right throughout the whole weekend. Also, we saw some good, solid performances from Anton Di Pasquale, who was... Definitely hindered by his uh, his life was made a lot more difficult in that second qualifying race, but they showed a lot of speed, as did, of course, the Kostekis and the Reynolds. Now, it's interesting that we haven't heard the whispers yet. No one from the Ford camp really wants to say it, but since probably they've won the Drivers' Championship... They've won the Manufacturers' Championship. Well, perhaps we're not hearing any uh, questions because of the dominance that the Ford teams had at the beginning of the year that uh, the pendulum swung a little bit too far back the other way. It will be interesting 
to see how the team's championship pans out as it is still up for grabs and Triple Eight has a bit of work to do at Newcastle, but it's not insurmountable. So, Tony, my question to you is, had Ford not had such a lightning start to the beginning of the year, would we be hearing those uh, murmurs that I'm not hearing at the moment? Yeah, indeed. It, uh, it's certainly uh, an interesting uh, situation. Um, since uh, New Zealand, Pukekohe, the uh, Commodores, uh, those in particular, Triple Eight, have been the pace of the field. Uh, while at Bathurst, uh, Scotty was there, um, there were lots of other uh, Commodores nearby. Um, the uh, interest in the weekend was culminated with uh, Scotty actually uh, uh, cementing his uh, uh, second title and second in a row uh, in uh, coming home in ninth place in front of Shane Van Gisbergen. He extended his lead, and I think it's now 550 points, so he can't be beaten for the title. The team's championship, as you say, is up for grabs. Is 116 points between Triple Eight or, in fact, uh, Shell DJR Team Penske are leading it from uh, Red Bull uh, Holden Racing Team. So that'll be up for grabs, certainly, well and truly. And it's not only bragging rights, as you well know. It's a position in pit lane, plus the uh, ability to say you're the top team in the paddock. There are a lot of things that came up over the weekend, Craig, that uh, were interesting, one of which was probably the thing that'll uh, cement whether it's going to be a, uh, a 23 or a 24 car grid next year. Uh, it seems that Rod Salmon has stepped back from his involvement in the Webb Techno team in Sydney and that uh, if the Webbs go ahead, uh, or when they go ahead, if they do go ahead with the Sydney-based team, um, it will uh, be without Rod Salmon's involvement. Um, which probably also means that Will Brown won't be driving in the series next year. But I had a good authority at the weekend who said to me, Will will be in a car in 2021. Don't fear about that. Well, of course, there's a, a strong chance. Uh, I know that, uh, uh, or I believe, I should say I don't know it, but I believe that uh, Roger Penske has a lot of uh, respect for the work that Anton Di Pasquale does. So I would not be surprised if he replaces Fabian Coulthard at uh, DJR Team Penske in 2021. So that's one of the interesting ones. But uh, as we know, um, it was confirmed last week that Scott Pye will be the second driver for Charlie Schwerkolt. Obviously, it won't just be Team 18. It'll be Team 18 plus whatever the other number is. So that's good for Scotty. Um, James Courtney, of course, uh, is going to be in a team that will either be a one- or a two-car team out of Sydney. And that's going to be going ahead regardless of whether it's a one- or a two-car team. Um, but a couple of other things that came out over the weekend which were terrific news. One was Bryce Fullwood. He obviously showed his uh, his skills. He wrapped up the uh, Super 2 title, which he has been the pace all year. Um, numerous race wins and polls and various other things. And he was terrific, as was uh, Tyler Everingham. I think he took out a... Uh, uh, a pole and a race win um, to uh, make his debut as a, a race winner in 2019. But Bryce has confirmed, uh, not confirmed, rather, <laughs> strongly believed that he'll be in the Walkinshaw, the second Walkinshaw car, beside what we believe will be Chas Mostert. So that's great news. Um, the other part of the equation is more than likely Adam Debore will be joining 
uh, Chaz Mostert at Walkinshaws. And uh, all in all, I think uh, the, the grid's sort of looking pretty good next year. Um, there certainly be some uh, prospects that won't make it, but uh, Thomas Randall, Will Brown, they won't be far away. They'll be getting into a car in the main game very soon. The biggest story probably that broke on Sunday morning was about the uh, disqualification from qualifying and the top 10 shootout at Bathurst, meaning that uh, Scott uh, McLaughlin has no longer won pole position or the top 10 shootout or his qualifying lap record at Bathurst. That has been given to Chaz Mostert, um, which means also the five grand will also come back from DJR and uh, that'll go down Chaz's way. But uh, it was for an engine anomaly that occurred in their qualifying engine. It came out after the shootout and was replaced. And there was an anomaly found in the uh, valve lift in that engine. It was checked by, of course, Craig Hastead, who's the uh, supercar's engine man, post uh, Bathurst weekend and found to have the anomaly. They've been fined $30,000 as well. Uh, you know, of course, there are calls up and down pit lane for the disqualification of the team. Well, you know, that obviously is not going to happen. I don't think it was in the rules that they could be disqualified, but certainly they've lost, you know, a couple of treasured items, that being a pole and a, uh, a qualifying record. Actually, when you read the stewards' reports, Tony, it's an interesting reading. They can exclude the drivers, or they did exclude... They excluded the drivers, and they decided not to exclude the team, which was their only other choice. They couldn't exclude the car, so they had to really pay it on the drivers and put it on the drivers, because they're, otherwise they'd be unduly affecting the car 12, which engine, I don't know whether it's Tesla or not, but the engine isn't illegal after the post-race tech inspections were completed. So... That was one of those balancing acts that they stewards had to really deal with. Do we penalise them for, you know, the infringement because the error could have been due to the engine that was failing because it was pumping water into the oil or was it a mistake back in the engine builder's shop? So the stewards had to then weigh up the fact, well, at the end of the day, it was out of spec and... That's all she wrote. So it was interesting to read in their deliberation how they had to weigh up all those different factors to work out their penalty. Neither Cindric nor Story were available for any press comment uh, to anyone about anything even before the news had come out about this disqualification. So they were keeping a very close, uh, tight ship, not allowing anything outside now. Yeah, it was because the stewards meeting was convened about 8 o'clock Saturday morning and they had come to that decision about 10 o'clock Saturday morning. So in fairness to DJR Team Penske, they raced hard knowing that they were not going to even start anywhere near where they qualified. So they still gave it everything and I haven't seen anyone talking about how they raced on their merits on Saturday where they possibly could have saved the tyres, saved the car from any possible damage. They actually, you know, they put the car into its best possible position. They raced hard and got into scraps. So 
you know, I think that needs to be commended. There's also the possibility that maybe the drivers weren't told. There's still people in the teams that are making decisions and they could make the decision just to uh, lay the car over. Craig, I think there is a possibility that... uh, you know, um, the uh, the soldiers weren't told on the floor as to what was going on, quite possibly, okay? You know, there's a lot of experience in that management team and uh, a good way to demotivate people to do their best is to actually tell them what's coming and uh, if you don't tell them, they can't be accused of uh, not doing their best. So anyway, um, it certainly uh, added another twist to a weekend. I'm uh, certainly glad to see that... Uh, the class field of the 2019 season in Scotty McLaughlin, who uh, set new benchmarks in terms of race wins, new benchmarks in terms of qualifying, um, has uh, continued his way and, and taken out his second title. Long deserved um, in in the category as uh, going to be a champion in the, in the future. Tony, one of the important things is that Dunlop have been re-signed for another, I believe, five years which is great for the sport. And I know it's been months waiting for contracts to be signed, but they are going to be shotting the cars for the next five years. And importantly, we're going to see brand new tyres more often than not. The teams will only use one set of used tyres on a weekend. Otherwise, they're going to have brand new tyres Friday, Saturday and Sunday. It also means the management of the tyre banks is going to change quite considerably. That is great news um, and uh, something that has long been wanted because uh, the tyres have such a critical part to play in the uh, speed and that for too long we've been guessing, particularly on Fridays, as to who ran what and when. So um, that certainly takes that out of the uh, whole conjecture. I think sometime in the near future uh, we should have a uh, conversation with... uh, for people who are involved in the time of free tyres. Free tyres as in you could uh, have a contract with either Bridgestone, Yokohama or Dunlop and even Hoosier were there. Um, I think that would be a terrific thing in the uh, near future because there's a, a lot of people who've come into this sport that have never known anything but a control tyre. It would be uh, interesting to turn back the clock and listen to those people telling us of that time. We certainly have had Kevin Fitzsimmons on the show a couple of times, Tony, talking about the Bridgestone deal 20 years ago. So to hear what Hoosier and uh, Dunlop and, of course, I think there was even Yokohama back in those days were putting forward would be fascinating. Indeed, indeed they did. And uh, from somebody who ran a column called On The Rim, I'd be looking forward to that opportunity to uh, talk to some of the people from that era, including Graham Brown and uh, Keith McCoywick uh, from Yokohama. Obviously, uh, um, in those days, Kevin Fitzsimon, of course, was uh, um, Bridgestone and then, then Dunlop. Craig, you raised an interesting subject in Super 2, Super 3 combination. Uh, the reasons why... Maybe you could point out to us. Um, it certainly, uh, I got some views on the weekend that were different to uh, other things I'd heard. So tell us about what they're thinking of doing it for. Well, I believe what they're thinking of doing it for, the practicalities are, they're worried about the size of the Super 2 field. Oh, sorry, the practicalities is, it looks like there's going to be a small Super 2 field. And so combining Super 2, Super 3, you have a solid grid. But I think that's... The not the official line is they want to in fast track the development path 
of drivers through Super 2, Super 3. But with reducing main game licenses, where's the drivers going to go if they're coming through Super 2, Super 3? And who can afford four or five years waiting in Super 2s for your opportunity because it's so expensive? And bringing Super 2 up into, or Super 3 up into Super 2 isn't going to uh, do much for making Super 3 much cheaper. And I'm sure you'll remember when the car of the future came into Super 2 and you had the old cars and new cars. The old cars were completely uncompetitive and I remember writing a story for Supercar Magazine called Exodus when it was looking like a lot of people were just going to drop out of Super 2 because they couldn't afford to move up to car of the future, which was going to be the competitive car in the series. So, look, I, it's no good coming up with a problem without a solution, and this was given to me by someone up and down pit lane, and I, I won't credit them now in case they don't want their name associated with it. Um, if they do, I'll correct it next week. But what I do think is this has a bit of merit. Why don't for five, six races during the year we see the Super 2s running at the rear of the main game field. Now, this will create a couple more things. It'll increase the size of the grid, obviously, maybe by 10 cars, 12 cars. And also, it will then give a bit more mix in the racing because the main game cars are eventually going to catch the Super 2 cars. And that will then create a few more curveballs and a bit more interest on how they negotiate through the traffic. Now, you go back to the original thesis, it's to fast track driver development. Well, how does having the Super 3 drivers racing in Super 2 help the Super 2 drivers? It doesn't. And if you lose the journeyman out of Super 3, then you're going to lose part of that field as well because they can go somewhere else. So wouldn't it be better for four or five races a year, you have the Super 2 drivers in with the main game, and that will then increase the development skills for those guys and fast-track them, hopefully, to the main game. It's an interesting one. I've been rabbiting on for a while, Tony, but you've been speaking to the teams which I haven't had the opportunity to do yet. What are they saying to you about this merger? Indeed, and it's interesting you, you raise it because, of course, when you look back, the, the, the development series, as it's known, um, has done a terrific job over a 20-year span. I mean, it started in 2000, I believe, um, has done a terrific job in developing the drivers for um, the main game. You know, you've only got to look around the grid and see the young drivers who've won the series, including Scotty McLaughlin, Chaz Mostert, you know, there's just a, a very long list of drivers who've come through the system, spent two years maybe in, in the development series learning the game, and then bingo, there they arrive and they're able to go and do it. And you'd have to say that uh, that's successful for that reason. So it's money, of course, that's uh, the root of the problem in that the, you know, the team owners out there, rather the uh, um, drivers and their fathers, unable to raise the funds to do more than the, the two years of the series. They're having to do, you know, the three or four, and unfortunately it just gets out of hand, the cost. So it's it's going to be an interesting uh, way in which it pans out. I hope that uh, 
the uh, the teams like Matty White's, of course, and Ben Eggleston and Matt Stone, who've all run cars and do run them and successfully, that they're going to be considered. They're going to be as to how they go about it. And, of course, that it can't just be the development of the drivers. It's also got to be development of mechanics, engineers, team managers, as well as, of course, that place where the old cars go. Now, Tony, what are they saying to you about the merger? Are they happy with it? Generally, no, a bad idea. Generally, no, it's, it's, this is not what's going to fix things. Um, it's, it's obviously going to be thrashed out far more in the commission, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Uh, maybe at uh, Newcastle, you can certainly do the rounds to, to get firsthand what those uh, team owners think of it. Yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to having a chat with them about it. After the break, we're going to listen to some of the podium place getters from the Sandown 500. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske. And you're on Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. Craig, it was certainly an interesting uh, Sandown 500, starting off with Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup enjoying their success yet again at Sandown. The, the car this weekend has been you know, working really well. It's absorbed the curbs and it's got its power down well. And you know, Yesterday we both sort of worked well. Everyone was fighting difficult conditions with uh, sprinkle for us, for the co-drivers, and then rain for the main drivers, which uh, um, was great to start on hold. Um, Bryce had a really good start. You know, our starts have been pretty good this uh, sort of um, during season. He got a good start. He hung with us at the beginning of the race, which you know we're trying to set, set a lap time to make sure we looked after the tyres and then see what the trend would be like with you know, low low nine. Um, and then uh, the safety car came out and sort of uh, um, diminished my gap that we were able to create, which is always a problem for a leader. And then Bucky um, uh, looked up in those sort of 97 there, so. Uh, um, uh, Garth had, uh, I think, a, like a seven or eight lap better tyre, and uh, he started putting the, uh, the blowtorch on and, and put some uh, mid eights in, so we had to sort of pick the pace up. But at the end of the day, I think it's, uh, as uh, James says, commiser- commiseration. It's, it's like a sad and happy motion to the moment, because one side of the garage you know, could have been. Um, but for us, it's, as, as James said, we're both, both on the receiving end of that side. Obviously, it was a fairly eventful start to the race, but unfortunately, it wasn't that eventful at the, towards the end. Um, yeah, firstly, it's, it's, it, is, it is bittersweet. You um, certainly commiserate since the 97. They were in the box seat to, um, to, to get the chocolates today. Uh, I think we would have been one point ahead in the, in the Enduro Cup, which would have been interesting. But um, you certainly, you certainly, you're, you're respectful of that somebody else could have won the race. But at the same time, you take it because there's been plenty of times uh, both of us have been on the receiving end of, uh, of a, a mechanical or something out of your control that's uh, that's ruined a good result. It's moments after this man here, Mark Dutton, has led his nearly team to a one-two, but unfortunately, he still got the win. 
you still got the win. A so. Sandan 500 and, and one driver with six and another one driver with five and you've got four, maybe? I'm not sure. We love it here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a uh, great track. Yeah, it is. Crew did an amazing job. Drivers yep. did an amazing job all weekend, unfortunately. Um, yeah, a little failure in the car, so we'll is have to analyse that. Yeah, a bolt departed company, so we need to understand, did it break, did it come loose, yep. all the contributing factors. We'll okay. do the full forensic investigation. Yep, wonderful. All right, now, I just want to, I've spoken to a number of other team owners, team uh, managers, yep. people like Bayer Ryan, Richard Holway and others, yep. just talking about uh, next year's aero in terms of the overall desire. I mean, I've heard figures that mentioned by, I think, you know, Sean Seaman talked about 15% sort of thing, bringing back... Um, the aero on the cars. I've heard other people like Dave Reynolds talking about 30%. And a lot of other people sort of saying it's got to be a major a part because the cars have grown so much dependence on aero. What is your understanding, I mean, given that you haven't actually been formally told what it is yet? Yeah, so obviously we're just preparing a car right now uh, and we'll, we'll turn up to the, the aero test with the tools to be able to tune it. Uh, those tools have been... Um, somewhat defined by supercars. Expanded on enormously. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so then we can turn up the tools and, and hit the targets they want us to hit. Um, yeah, is I think we should do a big... Re I'm in favour of a big reduction. I don't think that it will be as big as uh, it possibly could be. Yep. Um, just because of, yeah, a, a big change can, can sometimes make it more difficult for teams, possibly. Yes. Um, Maybe that's the logic, I don't know. I'd yeah. like a big change. Yeah, okay. Just for the racing. That's the only reason, is yeah. because obviously the, the more area you have, the harder it is to pass cars, and passing's entertaining. And, yeah. and the other part of it is following. That's right. It, the difficulty in following. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Particularly is also we've, we've got a new bunch of young drivers coming on, which was one of the fantastic things about today, that opening stint of, of a lot of young drivers out there showing their mettle. And none of them sort of trying to flex things and going, oh, Craig Lands and Garth Dander out here, we need to... It was just sheerly them racing and not too many mistakes. No, no, it was, it was actually really good to watch. Um, you know, Jake Kostecki and Brody Kostecki were doing, doing a crack of jobs. Lots, yep. of other, lots of other young drivers out there doing, doing really good jobs as well. So that, that's good to see um, because, you know, they're the generation coming through the sport. Yeah. Um, so, no, that was... It's good when they're when they're not overcompensating or, or overpressurizing themselves and, and making silly mistakes and and then then it can easily be the inexperienced one can sometimes wreck a race but that wasn't the case they they added to it and, and made it an even more spectacular race. Indeed. Now, have you actually got a, a date of that aero test happening? Is there a date you're working to? Uh, well, first we need to do what's called a shakedown. Yep. Uh, just to make sure all the systems are working up to um, supercars specifications. So. Uh, we're still finalising that date because, yeah, there's there's a lot going on after this. We have to put the, every all the equipment back into containers. So we've been going back and forth from container to truck, container to truck, uh, which consumes time. And so yeah, then uh, when we've got DS2, Super 2 racing here and um, and our main game, well, we empty the factory. So there's yes. not a lot of people back there to be working on the, the aero car. So yeah. uh, we'll prepare that and get supercars up and, and make sure that everything's uh, yeah, hunky-dory in the way they want it before we go testing. All right. Well, again, thank you, Mark Dutton, for your time on Inside Supercars. Um, best of luck at uh, Newcastle, uh, still to come. A couple of races there. And uh, while one championship's been settled, there is another one that uh, is maybe even more harshly fought than this one has been.
Yeah, yeah, we're, we're working hard towards that. I think today was a, a, a null points change yes, <laughs> after lots of hard work by everyone. Yeah. So that's uh, truly strange in fiction sometimes. Yeah, indeed. All right, well, thanks, uh, Dutto, as he's known around the traps. We look forward to uh, watching results, and I'll be sitting back on the couch watching it uh, from home. Oh, really? Indeed. Thank you. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two lap the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones. I'm from the Cool Drive Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. I'm here with Chaz Mostert, moments after he's pulled a second place at the Sandown 500. Um, have you had a second hit before? Uh, I got a third. Uh, when Cam won back in 17. Right. Uh, I did get a second. We finished 1 2. Pepsi Max stays in 15 as well. So, yeah, second, second, second. Yep. Pretty good race. You were putting some hard yards there in the end. Um, and obviously, you got the surprise of your life when you hear that Shane suddenly busted uh, his suspension. Um, that's not something that happens nowadays too often. Yeah, look, at, uh, at the end of the day, we, we raced to um, third position. Uh, so, to, to get a trophy kind of felt. Um, to get a trophy for how our weekend kind of started and how far behind the eight ball we were, I think is a, a great result as a team. You know, we did a lot of changes through the weekend. Adam was flat out every session, making changes to the car. I mean, me and Moff, we weren't really happy till it till probably started to get a direction on Saturday morning. So um, it was it was pretty tough turnaround, but we stuck by our guns in the warm up to what the car was going to be like. Um, it was a, it was a nervous car, but. Um, you know, it was it was fast, but you just had to really manage it. So it was quite a tough car to drive, but um, it was fast. Yeah, better in the dry track than a wet one, then. Uh, no, I think either either way. Like we had a good wet car on on the wet race, uh, on the twenty lapper. Yeah. Probably was more comfortable in the wet than what we were in the dry, to be honest. Okay. But um, right. yeah, we just uh, we just tried hard. And I can't believe we got to second for the day because we. We're a little bit behind the eight ball, but just uh, put the eyes forward and, and just try to extract everything from the car. You're in your final weeks as your time as a Ford driver, um, believing that you're going to be doing something else next year. Uh, it's obviously a different phase of your life, and you know you've you've had success um, as a Ford driver. You you know created a name for yourself, put yourself out there as as one of the fast drivers in this category. It must be there's a certain melancholy about moving on from that. At the end of the day, there's still no decision made yet what I'm, what I'm going to do for next year. If I stay, there'll be a, a long-time association, you know, that I've been with Tickford Racing. Uh, and if I go, it'll be a different story. But we've just got to wait for probably around Newcastle to work out what I do. Probably in a unique position where, um, you know, still got an option or two. So we'll, we'll just see what happens. All right. Well, thank you, Chas Mossett. We certainly look forward to uh, seeing, hearing and watching the results over the coming weeks. Thank you. I'm here with Lee Holdsworth and Thomas Randall just moments after the end of the Sandown 500 and just wanted to get their thoughts on uh, getting a podium um, together uh, at the first time. I mean, obviously, you've had three events, but uh, it's been a, a fairly uh, turgid sort of ride to get here. Um, 
Lee, you talked about in the press conference that the car felt like it was good, um, and and that was obvious you know, through most of this this endurance season. But obviously, it was something special here. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've had a car that's been good for top five the the whole of the endurance campaign. But I felt like we'd made another small step this weekend, which just put us in a in in another window, you know, in that top three window. So. All weekend, you know, we've been punching out good lap times and, and tuning the car uh, better and better every session. And, and then come this morning in practice, uh, sorry, in warm-up this morning, I felt that we had a, a great car and, and, you know, with full tanks, with light tanks and, and yeah, knew I could fight, we knew we could fight hard today. And looked after its tyres well? Yeah, probably um, not as well as we would have liked with the rears, but... Um, I think we would have preferred the rears to go off than the front. Okay, all right. And Thomas, of course, you having to do the two, that's Super 2 and your own uh, challenge in this car, um, and the transition between the two is all okay? Yeah, yeah, I, I actually felt like the transition from Super 2 to Lee's car was was better. But, I mean, I hardly did any laps in my Super 2 race today. Unfortunately, um, we had a we had a coolant issue there. We lost all, all coolant, uh, which must have happened on the grid when the engine was at its hottest so um but no no issue there and i knew that the job that i had to do it in in lee's car and yeah we had that that one semi tussle with with perkins but i didn't lose too much ground i actually ended up getting on the back of him before we pitted so everything else was good i mean yeah just tried to keep it clean um and hand the car in a position that lee could try and fight for a podium and yeah we're here the one very obvious thing in the start of today's race was as Lee would have been standing there watching, was all the young guys out there. You know, Bryce, uh, obviously, yourself. Yep. Um, and, you know, not so young in Jack, but uh, the young drivers out there and, you know, all going tra- fantastically well, you know, and it appeared there were a couple of mistakes, but generally it was a tremendous start to a race. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's impressive, the speed of the young guys, and, um, and I think, yeah, some of them... Are speedy, but make mistakes, and and that's where I think um, Thomas is has got a little bit over them. The other guys uh, seems to he's got his head screwed on and and knows when to push, when not to, and um, can play conservative, can play aggressive. Uh, so that's what I found quite impressive about Tom. So I thought he did a, an amazing job. Yeah, I, I actually spoke to Thomas the other day about his uh, Super Two race, which is. He, Consequently, won, but the laps he had there of a 250k race behind Ash Walsh, and I'm not suggesting for one second I was expecting Thomas to make a mistake, but I didn't expect Ash Walsh to, yeah. and in fact that's what happened. And I, I thought that there was an enormous learning curve there for Thomas in spending so long watching somebody else mm. and making sure that he didn't hiccup or, you know, yeah, that, that I, seemed you know enormously. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> you can lose so much time for making a big mistake like that whereas if you if you just drive 95% yes. you know you're not going to make a mistake and same thing in today's race I mean apart from that thing with Perkins I wouldn't really think that was my fault um, you know we, he, he sort of moved back across but anyway um, but apart from that I mean you saw a lot of other guys make mistakes throughout the race and uh, the problem is is that we only do 54 laps that's the minimum so there's 110 laps of the race left if if i'm handing lee a car that's got bent steering or or um a broken front splitter or what have you or uh, damage to the suspension 
is just going to compromise his 110 laps. So the most important thing for me this campaign was making sure that when I give the car back to Lee, it's in the same condition that he gave it to me or that uh, that it started the race. Yeah. Now, you're both at different stages of your life. Thomas here is just starting out and Lee's got a couple of kids. Um, but I'm assuming, given we don't know what's going to happen with Thomas next year, that you'd be happy to pair again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing, um, if I was concerned about anything having... Thomas with me this year was that um, he hadn't been in, in as a co-driver before and it's a real different mindset yep. being a co-driver, not that, well I don't think I've, I've been a co-driver but you have to uh, you, you have to have that mindset that Thomas was just talking about where yes. you've got to bring the car back so you don't want, you, you can't take big risks you can't um, unless it's the co-driver race. Unless it's the co-driver <laughs> race at Zandia. I took plenty of risks yeah. in that race. Uh, so I thought that that was, um, that was awesome. You know, he, uh, he, 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 he really acted. It, it felt like he'd done it before, you know. So it um, be awesome to have him back. Wonderful. Well, we hope for Thomas's sake that you know he doesn't get back. But in some ways, it uh, it would be somewhat terrific to see you back back together again next year. So, thank you for your time on Inside Supercars to Lee Holdsworth and Thomas Randall. No worries. Thanks, Thanks, Tony. Cheers. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. Craig, it's certainly been a a big week leading up to the Sandown 500 with the disqualification from qualifying and top tens for DJR Team Penske's Car 17. The change of uh, uh, various drivers moving around the paddock. Um, I think there's a certain amount of optimism. There are certainly some difficult challenges that uh, team owners have today. And, of course, there's uh, three of them um, who are moving up to be two-car teams, that being uh, Charlie Schmerkop, Matt Stone and Jonathan Webb. It's going to be interesting to see how they all cope with the challenge of getting a team working and operating to full efficiency, as they now will because there's no more one-car teams anymore, which is quite a change, isn't it? No, and my memory, I seem to remember, wasn't Techno a two-car team when Jonathan Webb first broke away from DJR Team Penske? Yes, it was. Yes, he was a two-car team and then became a single car. Um, So they're only going back up to what they were several years ago now. Um, But... uh, it's uh, it's a changing face, and um, one of the changing things is, of course, the way in which the media changed. And a man who was there at the start of the whole supercar, even when it wasn't called supercars, they were just V8s to start with and then became supercars, was Mike Raymond, who died last week. Mike had been influential in the formation of the category. In coming weeks, we'll have conversations with a number of people who were there when it started, when there was a thing called Tiga Touring Car Entrance Group, and uh, where Mike Raymond, as a Channel 7 representative and the man in charge of motorsport there, he got together and had meetings involving both Ford and Holden, as well as Ken Potter as a Philip Morris, and then became the man, the head of Tiga. Mike Raymond got these people together to make sure the category moved on from being possibly a Group A with a European, you know, offshoot. It was an interesting time, I think you'll find uh, in motorsport, you'll agree. I remember vividly when I first started the sister program to this one, Inside Motorsport, and unfortunately, 
it was well before um, digital archives existed. It was on tape. And I spoke to Mike Raymond. And one of the great quotes about, uh, about where touring car racing was going is he said, no one wants to see turbocharged Mitsubishi Colts racing up the mountain. And, you know, he went down and was doing the job or did the job that Tony Cochran would eventually go on to do, which is get them all down in a room and tell them which way they uh, they have to go for their own good. Now, what's interesting is at that time, NASCAR was capturing a lot of interest. Touring car drivers, Brock and Johnson and Grice, were all dabbling with the Oval, with Bob Jane's Oval. And so you had a V8 series that was gathering these drivers and gathering a lot of interest. So touring car racing was at a precipice and uh, Mike really straightened them up, didn't they? And uh, it was interesting to see how it all played out. <laughs> and that, was his, that was his fear and he uh, stood fast by that and told them all. And, ba and basically he did the job of what then Tony Cochran came in. He pulled them all in the direction that it needed to go. You have to remember that at the same time you had NASCAR, a V8 series, starting to get these touring car races in and it was capturing a lot of interest and it was paying prize money. So they had a real threat on their doorstep. The thing that touring cars had was they had the tradition and there was only one NASCAR track, full-size NASCAR track that the... Uh, that's the other series could run on, so it could never travel around the country like touring cars could. There's a, 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 an amazing piece of irony that happened shortly uh, after I'd been in, started getting involved in the category in 94 was when I started, um, in that in 97 at Sandown, there was a, uh, a briefing from a chap called Tony Cochran and uh, a media briefing after they'd had a briefing to the team owners in which the formation of uh, what became um, a Vesco, um, where the uh, entrants became the owners of the category, and uh, it was initiated by uh, Neil Crompton. He uh, got hold of Tony Cochran and uh, showed him what the series was and what it could become, and Cochran sort of went, yes, well, let's do something about it, and consequently turned the category from being one where the car owners and team owners were on the back foot having to buy passes at Bathurst and all sorts of tracks to uh, just to go get their their sponsors and their, their customers to come to the track. The teams had to buy all these tickets and you know, Cochrane was, I think I can remember vividly being amazed at the way in which it was uh, managed. It was pretty atrocious. But Mike Raymond died and unfortunately... Uh, um, that was a very sad thing. Matt White from Channel 10, who's the head of sport there, gave me his uh, his views on uh, the death of Mike Raymond. So here, here they are. We're on the apron of the pit lane in Sandown 500. And, of course, Matt, like many of us, just heard about Mike Raymond's unfortunate death the other day. Um, you're a man who's led motorsport for some years, both at uh, Channel 10 and other spheres. But mm. tell us about Mike as what he meant to you as somebody who loved motorsport? Well, first of all, mate, when I saw the news uh, the other day, we were deep in um, in horse racing land at, yeah. at the Melbourne Cup, um, with one eye obviously on coming here as well. So it, it came out as a real shock 
to me first of all. I instantly thought of Mike's family and, of course, Andy, who's um, yep. you know still very heavily involved in the media. And then I, I started to reflect really, really, um, really carefully about uh, how much of a privilege it is to then end up in the position that I've ended up in and be in the commentary boxes and then think, wow, you know, this is something that Mike in particular paved the way for guys like me and other people around me who've uh, managed to do that after. So I I found the whole experience quite um, strange, to be honest. You know, so much sadness all of a sudden and then you start reflecting on somebody who's gone before you. I didn't know Mike that well um, and I did have a great chat with him at Oran Park on uh, Scafie's last round where we got him in the Channel 7 days where um, Mike was there and he came down and he sat with um, myself and Crompo and we had a good old chat and it's just one of those things that you could have just done for ever you know unfortunately commercial television you got to <clears throat> take a break and move on so it was great to have him there and that that limited contact but um i did i did say to mike that day thank you you know yeah. and and i don't know um i hope he did but i don't know if he um if he truly understands the um the path that he paved for a lot of others well the interesting thing is of course no one's tried to emulate him and i don't <laughs> think anyone could have succeeded but you know whether whether it was his um um, no baloney Tonys yeah, or, or, yeah. or, or Dickie Johnson's or whatever it was, <laughs> in some way, shape or form, he, he put his stamp on every broadcast he was involved in. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, personality is such a big part of broadcasting and commentating. And I think that that was the key. You know, a long time ago, what, you know, this sport was not um, exposed as it is today. So a lot of, um, you know, a lot of hardcore viewers... Would, would tune in and then we'd get the bigger audience to Bathurst and what you want to do is you want to throw the net as far as you can to get as many people involved and you can't do that unless you've got somebody like Mike with such a personality that transcends the sport and goes through that and then reaches into people's living rooms and you know the be there and the, and the whole all of that stuff I'll tell you a good one mate when I um, initially left Channel 10 in 2003-2004 Crompo to his eternal credit, gave me a, a parting gift, and I've still got it. It's on my wall in my study at home. It is a framed Channel 7 motorsport tie. Oh! Wow. And if there's one thing that I think of when I think of those days, it's not only you know Mike's incredible tone, his incredible voice, but that look too. You know, <laughs> that look said it all. That red jacket, the red tie, and all the gaudy dress up. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's quite extraordinary to think that um, somebody could have such a big impact over such a long time. One of the things I've been reflecting on the last 24 hours or so mm. is that you know, I'm aware of the meeting that was a, a foretend of, or portent of what was to come with Tiger, yep. and which uh, Mike was arranging a meeting mm. where Ken Potter from Philip Morris, yep. uh, Rob McInery from Holden, Peter Gillitzer from Ford, were sitting down to try and say, no, we don't want to go to Group A, we want to go with this V8 formula. Yeah. And I was thinking about how only probably five years later... There was Neil Crompton organising for Cochrane <laughs> to come here to Sandown in 97 to yep. make a presentation. And uh, I thought, wow, isn't it amazing the way broadcasters have had an impact on this sport? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the simple thing about that is is that with the tools that we've got as broadcasters, we've got the reach. Yes. You know, you can, you, can, you can attract so many people. I think the reflection for me he- hearing you talk about those days is that it's an extraordinary thing for a sport to have somebody who's so professional and, like I say, with such a personality and so good at what they do. It's it's another thing to then have another layer of passion and love for the sport and 
um, you know, foresight of the future of the sport as well to be involved in that. And I think that's another legacy that Mike will will certainly take. Um, and like you say, you know, then that goes on with Crompo, um, heavily involved with the sport, absolute passion for the sport. But then he's got this incredible broadcasting ability, and um, I think that's a you know, it's a really unique thing. It's a very very special thing for the sport to have people like Mike Raymond involved. All right. Well, thank you, Matt White, and uh, have a happy Sandown 500. Thanks, mate. You too. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as V8 Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars, this is Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, post Sandan 500 and my own final thought revolves around the young drivers. One of the delights for me was talking to both Brody and Jake Kostecki on the Sunday night. We've got a, a short clip with both of them here now. You've raced here before in Super 2, but not at that sort of a start line, have you? Nah, so last year I raced here in Super 2, and I think I got fifth full around. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm obviously just raced here in Supercars, which was good. We started seventh, got a good start, and I was racing in fourth, and actually I think I got third at one stage, which was good, good for the little team. Um, credit to all the, to all the guys. Okay, you, you had a big day yesterday when uh, Brody, your, your cousin, uh, he ended up uh, eighth, was it, or seventh? Yeah. yeah, so he drove the car from 21st to eighth in the wet, and then um, someone else got a penalty, so we ended up starting seventh for today, okay. which was cool in itself, so we were cheering from there. And then today we were pretty much battling in the top ten okay. for most of the day until um, a couple pit stops and... Um, yeah, something else was going on. Not too sure why we lost so much time, but I think it was the our outlaps on a green tyre, which we haven't done before, and probably our pit stops. So all in all, we got 16th overall, but we're happy with that. Okay. Now, do you think you would have benefited if this had been the first race in the Pertec Giro Cup instead of the last, as it is? Yeah, so the first one was Bathurst, which is the hardest one of, of them all, Yeah. Um, which was tough. We DNF, which is no good but uh, we've learned over Bathurst and Gold Coast got the two hardest ones out the way and we actually had good pace at Sandown which is good. Okay now I imagine that uh, there's plenty of things uh, to be discussed amongst your family if you have the Kostecki name come and sit down here and we'll have a talk about it sort of thing you and your dad and your cousin and brother you all sit down and work out what's going to happen next year. Yeah, so we'll, we'll make the decision what's best for all of us and see what we all want to do we all might have different agendas but um we we'll see. We we'll see what's on the on the cards, and we'll just go from there. Okay. Would Would you like to see? Uh, you know, there's a rule now being considered about possibly sharing cars. Could you see that scenario? Yeah, I haven't really thought about it to be honest yet. Since we've just been solely focusing on the yep. three wild cards, and I haven't even sat down with the old man yet to, to tell him what I want to do. So I'll probably start doing that after this round. We'll strip the car and give it a birthday and uh, go from there. Okay, now I assume that you wouldn't be going to Newcastle? Nah, we're going to do it in Super 2, but 
there's no need for it at the moment since the car's yes. not ready and we're already out of the points since we didn't race Bathurst and yeah. um, Sandown. Maybe you could just go there to cheer on your brother, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he could. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's second in the championship. Yeah, he's second at the moment, so I'll go there and cheer him on. All right. Okay, yep. well, we hope to hear that uh, things go well for him there. Okay. He certainly had a pretty good year, mm -hmm. um, but there's always a bit more to come. So we look forward to the Kostecki name in uh, 2020. Yep, thank you. Brody, your overall impression of your day here? Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm slightly disappointed um, just in myself, really. Um, Jake did an awesome job at the start and got the car into the top five and um, hand, handed me the keys in P8, and um, we sort of just unraveled a bit from there and um, ended up P16. But um, all of it wasn't our doing, so there's a, a few stupid acts going on out there, and um, I got held up quite a lot by, by a lap car. So um, that was quite 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 disappointing to see, and um, yeah, all in all, just proud of the Boost Mobile team, and um, just got to thank uh, you know my family enough for making all this possible, and uh, and Virgin Australia and Supercars as well. Yeah, okay. Now I, I think that uh, you and Jake, and there's a bunch of other young drivers as well out there. You know, Bryce Forward, Thomas Randall, um, you all shone pretty high, you know, because it was a, a difficult start to a race. Um, it was a challenge for you today, and I thought you, you showed up well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of newcomers trying to come through, but there's just no room for anyone, so there's too many old guys in pit lane, <laughs> so um, sadly to say. So, yeah, there's um, some great talent um, on the horizon, but, you know, there's uh, not really not nowhere for us to go, really, so... Um, you know, looking on to next year, we're trying to make something happen ourselves, and um, you know, but that 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 comes with a budget. So, um, you know, we're just trying to find the right partners and you know the right people to get behind us uh, for next year. Okay, so Kostecki's will sit down as a group and, and work out what you'd like to do, what you can do, and maybe even what you're going to do. Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, there's nothing locked in at the moment. Um, I know that we won't be running Super Two next year, so uh, that's off the cards. So. Um, all it, it could be a full-time effort or, it's, or, or it could be nothing. So, um, yeah, we're just trying to work out what, what's the best for us and, you know, what's the best for our family business as well. All right. Now, Jake tells me he's going to go and watch his brother, Kurt, uh, perform. Uh, you go along too to Newcastle? To... Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Jake and I will have the pom-poms out and um, <laughs> <laughs> the lipstick on, uh, you know, the whole nine yards. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be at Newcastle trying to cheer, cheer Kurt on and, um, yeah, just uh, be there to support him like how he's um, supported Jake and I throughout this whole campaign. All right, and back to the workshop now and to uh, tidy it all up and get it ready. Yeah, mate, that's the plan. Get the, get the brooms out and get going. So the Kostecki brothers, well, well, in fact, their cousins, the two that ran, their uh, brother of Jake, Kurt, runs in Super 2 and is currently second in the points. They all prepared the cars and they've done a fantastic job. They didn't have a great success at Bathurst, but as Jake pointed out, gee, it would have been good if the opening race had been Sandown, not Bathurst. It would have been easier for them to learn things, but, you know, that's the way it was. They're going to be back, no doubt, in the future. Having spoken to Brody and Jake a few times throughout the last couple of years, seeing them at the top of the tree was a great result, and, in fact, uh, the start of the race where Jake Kostecki was able to avoid... All the, all the chaos and move the car into a very competitive position was a great indication of what the Dunlop Super 2 Series is doing for developing these drivers. And it's fantastic to see which, the way in which the Will Browns, Thomas Randalls, uh, um, Bryce Forwards, all these young drivers are really stepping up and showing that they are worthy of 
taking on the role of full-time drivers in, in V8 supercars. So that would be my final thought, Craig, and yours? Well, my final thought is the fact that we're getting rid of one of the best races of the year before it's time. Supercars made a promise to take the 500 to tail and bend. Uh, that was in James Warburton's time. But they should do everything they can to either put a fourth endurance race into the Pertec Cup or just go up and run another 500 kilometre race because what we saw at the Sandown 500 this year was one of the best races of the year. It had action, not for the whole race, but for 80% of it, it was quite gripping. And, you know, you saw mechanical errors, you saw mechanic errors, driver errors, everything you get in those big long races that is exciting on a track that is suited to that type of race. We've never seen Sandown fantastic in a sprint race, unless it was, you know, underwater, which has happened in the past. But I think supercars are shooting the uh, goose that lays the golden egg every year. So, well, it'll be interesting to see if, like Ross Palmer did many years ago, TCR is prepared to run their own Sandown 500. Yes, indeed. It will be interesting. They, of course, have got something happening next year, which is a world touring car, world TCR race at Bathurst, a 500 case. So they may not be doing it next year, but maybe the year after they could be uh, stepping up to that uh, role. It's certainly uh, uh, a lively time of year, and while championships have been decided in both TCR, Supercars, Carrera Cup, they've all been finished, TCM, that Stevie Johnson winning his third title. Um, you don't feel that the year is certainly winding up. There's just more action of a different kind happening. That is for sure, Tony. All right, well, for this week's Inside Supercars, until we uh, meet up next week, thank you for your time and hope you enjoyed the show. Good night from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.